oh my God, like, yes, this is my, my top seller, but I'm also then like unknowingly I've been. Welcome back to another episode of Leadershipping. I'm your host, Caleb Nelson. This is powered by Sifted and Sifted's Logistics Intelligence. And thanks always for tuning in. I'm super excited to welcome our next guest, which is Matt Snyder. We're going to be talking about all things Amazon on today's podcast and what sellers can do from a logistics perspective to prepare for something big that's coming up, and that's Prime Day. If you're looking for an expert on the ins and outs of selling on Amazon, Matt is uh, phenomenal at helping you navigate the back-end hallways of Amazon. Uh, He serves as the Vice President of Online Retail for Very. Uh, you might know them from their standing desks among, among some other products that they've got and keeps Matt pretty busy. Matt's been instrumental in expanding Vary's global uh, Amazon market approach. He shared his expertise in numerous speaking engagements and conferences, including something I just returned back from, and that was the Prosper show. It was a killer, killer show for uh, 2023. And you serve on the board of directors for that, Matt. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Caleb. No, really glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to speak and always, always excited to talk about Amazon. Uh, even the, uh, well, some people may say it's not the exciting part of Amazon, the logistics. To me, I actually find it very exciting as well, too. So we can always find exciting ways to make logistics sound fun. Hey, you know, if there's, if there's a running theme with, with this podcast, it's been that we are talking to, to people who are passionate about what they do. And yeah. when you're passionate about something, you can't help but to let it shine and and uh, show that you're you're having fun with it. And you and I have chatted in the past, and I have no doubt that that's going to be this conversation this time. Matt, tell us a little bit about about your background. I gave a little bit of intro there, but how did your background put you in a specific and I would say perfect spot to revolutionize the way Very does business on Amazon? Yeah, no. So I kind of got started, uh, go back several years. Uh, first got into the e-commerce world back in 2008. I uh, had been working at the Dallas Mavericks prior to that. And Mark Cuban kept talking about this new and exciting website called Woot.com. Uh, so Woot was founded here in, in, uh, in Carrollton, Texas, which is where I'm, I'm, I'm located at as well, too. Woot had uh, created this phenomenal um, experience where you know they would go out and buy excess distressed inventory um, they came up with this creative way of you know, creative writing and creating this community to get people to come to the site every single day. And uh, so I joined the, the company in 2008, uh, so, you know, a few years after it had started. And my role there with the business was to kind of take this model that they had found and proven success with, uh, you know, this daily deal industry and take it and replicate it across multiple different uh, retail sites. So one of my biggest partners at the time was Buy.com, then other daily deal sites that are kind of popping up. So we were selling with uh, with eBay, with Amazon, and yeah. a number of other places. And part of that role was also not just the marketing sales side, but it was also with all these different retail partners we were working with. It was, you know, we were drop shipping for them. So it's, it was working with your operations team, your technology team. Um, and then also, you know, your product team. So it was kind of it really gave me that first kind of understanding of the importance and value of how do you make all these different pieces within a business work together? Yeah, because uh, right, we can be really great at, at sales and marketing, but if we don't do the right job on the on the operation side or have the right connections with our technology team, it, it like the business doesn't work. And so it really was a great uh, time. Uh, so that uh, led me into, uh, in 2010, Amazon acquired Woot. So it gave me an opportunity then to kind of work at Amazon for, 
for three years and really see the different uh, way that Amazon approaches operations and logistics and taught me a lot. So we, we actually, I left there in 2013, along with one of the, uh, the uh, who was president at the time, his name is Gerald Riddle. Gerald and I started a business together, helping kind of, again, a, a logistics problem for, for customers that um, where all these brands and distributors, you know, were, were now being asked to drop ship. So, you know, it used to be that you know companies like Amazon and everybody else would would own the inventory. Well, this as marketplaces started evolving and as these different uh, retail sites were evolving, now everybody wants you to drop ship. Well, yeah. that, that created these whole different problems from both technology and again going back to the operations side. So we created this the service that helped kind of solve that problem for them, and that led me to uh, to meeting the, the team here at, at the time Veridesk. And yeah. They had just started kind of thinking about selling on Amazon. And one of the ways that they were approaching it was unique to most sellers and that they wanted to approach it as seller fulfilled prime. I was like, wow, that's, that's actually really exciting. Like there's not too many sellers who are doing this. And they had done a great job prior to that being a DTC company. You know, they had built out their operations for uh, direct to consumer shipping. Uh, they had a great technology system in place. So that definitely helped a lot of the early kind of lifting of getting us there. Uh, so I've been now with with Barry for the last six years. We we still operate as self fulfilled prime. Um, mm. We're we're a you know, mid eight figure size business, so we do a pretty good amount of volume. But it's been a fun ride over the last year. It's just really getting to learn more about again going back to the, what I said earlier. We have to really sound and really great with our operations on both the technology and and the partnership with the, with our operations team and with our logistics partners, and really ensuring that we have the right. Plans in place, processes in place is really what allows us to have the success that we have on Amazon over the last several years. So there's a little bit about uh, the journey of, um, of Amazon and how it's really given me some great opportunities to, to learn some great lessons along the way related to both the operations and the technology assistance with it. Oh, man, I, I, I love that. I think that uh, your, your background, it was probably dr- like drinking from the fire hose uh, and then <laughs> especially as as Amazon comes in and uh, you're working for Amazon at that point, it is a, a probably a totally different way of doing business, totally different way of looking at logistics and transportation, and uh, probably was a great incubator to do what you're doing at uh, at very right now. And not only not only that, but uh, for for very the amount of growth that has probably taken place since COVID uh, and people working from home and needing standing desks, I'm sure has completely changed uh, that trajectory of that organization that you're at. Um, it's it's I'm sure like you're you're holding on for the ride. Yeah, I know we uh, we definitely were well positioned here, um, you know, given COVID for the last several years. You know it. it really was this interesting shift too of you know, where a lot of our customers before that were, were business buyers so they're buying for the offices buying for their staff to then really shifting to you know also it's the end user and so it's, it's it's it is a shift obviously in your marketing and it's a shift in kind of your product positioning there's also a shift in your logistics as you think about yeah. you know, going from also a lot of um you know, either hardly, also we saw, you know, kind of a drop in our LTL shipping, but also a big increase in our uh, residential shipping. And, and if you're not familiar, like there's, there's different charges and costs that goes there associated based on, you know, shipping to a, to an office address versus the commercial or to a residential address, different fuels or charges and, and these different charges. So, you know, those are all different factors you have to take into consideration here, you know, where it's, you know, it's not just about the, the in price on Amazon, it's all of these other factors that goes into it to ensuring that you've got a profitable business and, 
and, and, and product. Man, there's so many um, conversations I've had with very smart and capable Amazon sellers and e-commerce businesses that just sell on their own website that are shocked to see in their own invoicing and data uh, that they are losing money on particular SKUs because of those fees, because of either they've got some monstrously large uh, boxes or SKUs that just are awkward or non-conveyorable. You know, the, the industry calls it ugly freight. Mm -hmm. Amazon does a really good job as well as FedEx and UPS. They do a really good job at maximizing their profitability in moving and storing and uh, fulfilling some of those orders that are absolutely massive. You know, it's one of those things that I think um, 10 years ago was handled very differently than it is today. Sellers need to be, I, I would say, very smart in the way that they approach it from a buy skew basis to make sure that they're not underwater um, on, on a number of fees, mainly from a logistics standpoint. It doesn't have to do with, you know, your, your competitive advantage. It doesn't have to do with the actual uh, cost of the product. This has to do with what Amazon, FedEx or UPS is charging you on a per skew basis to to do what they do best and that's fulfill and and ship out some of their product it's crazy it is crazy and especially you know when you when you find you make those discoveries and those are on your top selling products it's, it can be really painful when you when you really dive into the the, the, the yeah. you know the details you're like oh my god like yes this is my, my top seller but i'm also been like unknowingly i've been so you know either upside down or not nearly as profitable as as i thought it was until you really are able to like dive into you know seeing and unveiling all these these different charges and fees that uh, can can get hidden if you don't uh, go looking for them it's a knuckle biter for sure when when you have that realization it's like oh no what did i do yeah. but I, I think i think that's really where it comes into uh making sure that sellers and shippers have a good understanding of what their data really looks like in order for them to make better informed decisions. I think you're a, you're a big, big advocate for that. Um, I think one thing that I'm having conversations with, with shippers and sellers around the, the Amazon sellers around the country right now on is preparation for prime day. And I'm sure you're, you're asked, you know, quite often, but what are some steps sellers need to take in order to properly prepare themselves for prime day and uh, getting in position for that right now? Yeah. Great question. And, um, you know, the, the response here, I'll, I'll share a couple of the different things, considerations, and obviously based on when you're hearing this, we'll de determine what you can put in action for, for now, but luckily there's always gonna be another prime day. So take what yeah. we you learned today and know that you can apply this down the road to, to uh, probably in prime day two and, and later in October or even peak season Q4, but you know, just kind of based following up on what we just were talking about, um, you know, oftentimes I was, I was talking with uh, another seller today over lunch and they, uh, they tell, they sell t-shirts. Um, so they, when these packages go into Amazon, uh, they, they've already recognized like they've got, uh, you know, an inefficient packaging based off the size and they know that they can make it smaller, but they also have noticed that, uh, you know, there's, there's a significant amount of air that's still in the yeah. back. And that's throwing off when they're ship, when they're doing the inbound shipments to Amazon. Is this throwing off the dimensions? So what is the actual size and weights and, and dimensions of the product? It's getting measured incorrectly when it gets received. And so if you don't catch that, like also like your not only is it your outbound cost, but all like all your costs there are getting thrown off. So you know there are ways that you can go in and, and check those. You know, one easy way is if you're on your detail page, you can scroll down towards the bottom of the page. 
where I get lists of the ASIN, UPC, and you'll see you know product dimensions and you'll see shipping dimensions. And you, know, you should be able to see you know the shipping dimension should be slightly obviously larger than your product. So that's one way to look at. It. Actually, you know, you guys have a great tool. We use it. And one of the things I love about it is that I get that data back from you guys through Sifted of show me like what does FBA, what is Amazon showing what my, my product dimensions and my, my weight in demos are. So it's a great way to go ahead and do that audit. So before a big event, temple event, uh, you know, do that pre-audit. Go through and ensure that all your products are accurately being measured by by the FBA you know, facilities. Uh, and also your team can do that on the back end and we can go through and we can get these, uh, you know, we can validate that, uh, you know, they've incorrectly measured or weighed. We can get those reimbursements back, but I highly encourage you, let's, let's try and avoid those. Let's do in the front end and do a good job of making sure that our products are, are actually measured and, and received correctly. So it's, that's a, that's definitely a first one. Yeah. It's amazing to, to, to kind of go through, you know, conversations I have uh, with sellers who, really have a belief that Amazon is so large that they don't make idiotic mistakes, but they absolutely do like on a regular basis. And that, that dimensionalization is, is a really interesting one because we see it in the data all the time where you send them the same product and they're scanning it at one day at 10 by 10 by 10, which is accurate. The very next day, same exact product, same box, you sent it to them in, in originally, and it's now 18 by 10 by 12, yeah. and a completely different commercialization, and it completely throws uh, a wrench in the mix of things in terms of your pricing. You're, you're paying them a substantial amount more, not just on, like you said, outbound shipping costs, but on fulfillment, storage fees, all of that. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, you know, one other just idea that I throw out there to, to people is, uh, is, you know, begin your, your inbound shipments and creating those uh, early. Uh, you know, generally kind of right now at this time, what we're seeing is, you know, generally takes anywhere from five to eight weeks on average for, for Amazon to fully receive your shipments. So, you know, we're kind of anticipating Prime Day being in July, you know, you're, we're, we're talking kind of late uh, May, early June here, where you need to begin those shipments out. Uh, you know, one of the problems, like challenges I've been hearing from a couple of other sellers too, is when they're creating their shipments, you know, they, they're, Again, some sellers here are based here in Texas. You know, we have some quite a few FCs around here, and also a lot of sellers were commenting about, "Man, I used to always get to Texas, and now I'm getting sent to you know to you know, Georgia or getting sent to some other place." And it's man, my my costs are all of a sudden jumping up here. So this, I'm not going to say this works all the time, but here's a little hack you can try, and I've seen it work a number of times. So go ahead and create your you know your first shipment. Say we're sitting in a you know 100 products, 100 units of, of a certain product. So create that first inbound shipment, and it's probably going to you know assign you to that location that you know, you've been trying to avoid. So wait about 24 hours. The next day, go through, create another shipment for the exact same products, same units, and everything. And what we've seen is that actually now that Amazon is showing that you already have you know, those units going to that first facility that, uh, that you didn't want to go to, they're not going to send another hundred units to that same facility. So they're going to go to the next facility. And oftentimes, what we're seeing is like that's the one that you really wanted to get to. So go ahead and create the second shipment for the for for the uh, preferred location, and then go back and cancel the the order from the first one. So, a little little hack and tip that I've seen work a number of times. I'm not going to say it's 100 percent foolproof, but uh, definitely works a, a good percentage of the time. So, that's a really smart that's a really smart suggestion. Any Amazon seller needs to needs to pick that up. I think uh, I love that hack actually. I, and and I, I yes, I bet it doesn't work 100% of the time, but I, I think for the majority of sellers out there, uh, that is a great trick to have in your back pocket. 
So one interesting thing that's taken place is Amazon's change to their FBA storage system and a new capacity bidding process. Tell us a little bit about that and tell us how it really is going to impact Prime Day this year differently than other years in the past. Yeah. So a, kind of a quick overview here. What Amazon has shifted here around is is that um, where you know, your, your ability to gain additional uh, space was heavily driven by your, your, your past sales performance. And so obviously the more high volume you were able to turn over, then Amazon would, you know, favor those, those, um, those sellers and those products were, would give you greater space, you know, where I really saw a lot of pain points for, for sellers, again, being that we ourselves are Phil prime, uh, I'd get uh, contacted by a couple of different brands, you know, usually around this time as well too, who they're very seasonal. And so when they would come in to, you know, kind of right now being peak season and their, their sales for the past, you know, three, three months or two quarters have been really low. And so as they're coming into pre-prime day, as well as also then peak season, man, they're really at a disadvantage because they, they're not able to get that, that full inventory into Amazon. Mm. Um, and so we're, you know, I've seen, I've heard conflicting, you know, like, man, this is, this is, this really sucks that Amazon's making us go through this, this bid process. But for some sellers like, like, you know, seasonal sellers, uh, I really think it's, it's a great opportunity because it allows you then to get uh, to bid on that space to, Yes, you're going to be paying for that space, but what the way that Amazon set this up though is that you know as long as you actually have the volume that goes through and you're selling through that product at, at the rate that you that you forecast, forecast it to be, then you, know, you can get those you can get those funds back. And I've seen kind of the opposite side of this, and this is I think where it's, it was driving this is I've worked with sellers who, I mean they they feel like they have a home run, and rather than following the advice of most seasoned sellers of start small, put in, you know, 50 units, put in a hundred units, they go all in and they put a thousand in and they're selling one unit a day. Right. So it's really going to penalize those, those sellers. And if you are on the opposite side of that, of your seasonal or you are, you're, you're really gaining momentum, it gives you the, the flexibility to go in and, and obtain that additional space. Uh, and then, Yes, what you do pay it down up front, you have the opportunity to kind of gain that back. So I see that I see some pauses with this. As long as you you know you approach it right and don't uh, don't overestimate your 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 home run winners by by putting too much in there, because yeah, we can definitely see have definitely seen where some sellers have gotten some serious problems uh, with those long term storage fees if if they've uh, overshot their their performance. Oh man, it can be extremely painful extremely painful. And I think a lot of sellers uh, can sometimes swing for the fences when it is a, hey, look, I just need a good single or a triple uh, and, and be in a good spot that I'm not overextending myself. If sellers do find themselves in a limited you know, capacity limit, what are some alternatives they can explore to ensure that they are really prepped and, and, and ready for Prime Day? Yeah, so obviously your, your storage capacity is tied to your, your IPI score. And so, you know, there's a couple of different things to kind of look at. So you know, we're, what, what's going to be causing your IPI score to, to be lower? Uh, do you have aged inventory? Is there products that are you know, moving slowly? So you know, these are things that, you, you know, there's different levers that you can pull to try and improve these, whether that's running promotions or increasing your, your advertising towards it. You know, it's going to look a little different. But the, the thing is we want to look at is, the oldest product, we need to be clearing those out. Um, and then the opportunities we have for our top products, 
can we accelerate even sales on those? So, so doing that through promotions or doing that through increased advertising, clearing out the age inventory, increasing the run rate of our of our of our winners. Both of those are going to help lift up the IPI score. And the more that we can lift up the IPI score, you know, the, then the the more inventory opportunities we're going to have with us. So also, you know, running lightning deals is one way we found. Also, like actually running like coupons. Uh, we really like prime exclusive discounts. Those seem to work the best for us. Uh, sometimes we'll kind of double stack those with you know, using both the prime exclusive discounts as well as a, as a coupon. Uh, really seems to kind of juice the the sales for us. So those are a couple of ways to kind of think about identify what's really causing your IPI score to to be uh, to be pulled down, and then pulling the right levers to help move that inventory out. That's smart. I think uh, you're you're sharing some extremely valuable golden nuggets for a lot of uh, Amazon sellers who are listening right now. And we've talked a lot about FBA. I think uh, it's been a, a big portion of this. What about FBM? What uh, with the recent changes on seller fulfilled prime, uh, how can FBM sellers really compete on prime day and take advantage of it? Great question. So I'll kind of address this a couple different ways. So if you are a seller fulfilled prime, I, I realize there's not a, a lot of us out there, but for for those of us who who do have the access, uh, one of the great additions this year is Amazon has made Prime exclusives uh, the promotions available to SFP sellers. So if you if you are one of these SFP sellers and you've never used uh, uh, the Prime exclusive discounts, it's a great tool. So I would highly recommend those as as a, as a lever to pull here for for Prime Day. Um, oftentimes, that's where I was kind of helping those seasonal sellers in the past was. Uh, they realize that we got to get FBM set up. Um, we've got to have at least some way to supplement our, our FBA business. Uh, so we've we've actually found in a number of different ways uh, or opportunities with other some brands I've worked with as well too. Is they've also found ways to actually improve the profitability by leveraging both FBA and FBM. So one of the ways that we've done this is you know, we use their hero products to to lead the way with with our FBA listings. Uh, and then a lot of the supplemental products that we that they have. So a couple of examples we have is on the very side, we will lead in with our our core products or so our standing desk converters or our electric standing desk as our as our prime products. But um, you know, on the FBN or on our non-prime side, it will be some of our our accessories. So we we can actually improve our PL by ensuring we, you know, we're not having to provide second day and overnight services on those on those products. We can send those just on ground. Um, but we know that a customer who's likely to buy our core product is going to be highly likely to buy one of our, our, our accessory products as well. So it's a way to kind of improve our over PL by kind of leveraging the prime and non-prime. So you can kind of take that same model and apply this to if you're an FBA seller um, of leveraging FBM to Again, going back to the capacity limits. If you're hit, if you are having those capacity limits, you know, here's another way of using FBM as that kind of hybrid approach. Of we want to have FBA as our primary, but then if we run out of, of inventory, or if I want to put, let's go back to the eighty twenty rule. Let's use that, apply that here. Yep. Let's put our, our top eighty percent of what drives sales, eighty percent of that to FBA, and the other twenty percent that is often that that's what's going to be driving down your or pulling down your IPI score or increasing your your storage fees. Generally speaking, what we can see is that you can actually reduce your overall cost by finding that right FBM partner, 3PL, or there's a couple other services out there that uh, you'd be glad to recommend some people to that uh, you know can carry that other 20% uh, 
can carry the excess inventory for your big tentpole events. Uh, so we've definitely come across different, several different opportunities or ways that we've, I've worked with other brands to either, you know, subsidize their, their, or increase their, their ability to uh, grow sales on big tentpole events when they're limited by FBA capacity, if they're seasonal and they don't have the, the capacity, or if they have products that are uh, um, not, not the core products and they want to try and look for ways to improve the profitability, pulling like kind of having the hybrid of FBA and FBM has been really successful. Yeah, I I think that's extremely important. One thing that I've been noticing or, or watched since January of this year was Buy With Prime. <laughs> that's such an interesting play from Amazon. And I think it's extremely smart, super smart on their part. Um, there is a, a major question that is being floated in in the logistics industry with Amazon. And that is, will they ever be in a competitive situation with FedEx and UPS? where they are acting as a carrier. You don't need to sell on Amazon. You don't need to have any filled on Amazon, but they will do final mile delivery for businesses around the United States, no different than FedEx does where they come and pick up or UPS does where they come and pick up at your location. This buy with Prime is really interesting. And I think you can take it in a, in a couple of different ways. I, I look at it more of kind of through the scope of, is this a, a step in competing a first baby step, I would say, in competing against FedEx and UPS. Uh, and, and I'd love to know what your take is on it. I, I think some of those uh, those shipments that would have gone out normally through an FBM process or on a customer's own website that they're just selling on from, from an e-commerce standpoint, those shipments would have gone FedEx or UPS. But now with Buy With Prime, it allows for any buyer to link and pay in their in that shopping cart on a website that is not necessarily an amazon website to be able to link and pay with your amazon account and know that those shipments are going to be delivered in an in a, in a amazon prime like experience through amazon's own network is really taking volume away from fedex and ups in those extreme situations what's your take on that and i'd love to know you know how sellers can you know be able to maybe take advantage of this buy with prime. Great question. Yeah. So this has been a, you know, an interesting development and it's, you know, been hearing about this for several months kind of leading up to it. And now, you know, kind of more of the bigger, the out, out, out of the beta launch and the full launch here in January, I've talked with a number of different brands who've, who've participated. I've talked with buy with prime my, or myself, even for, you know, we've kind of explored it here at, at Barry as well too. Uh, a couple of different, just kind of, observations or insights, you know, I think that there's still a lot of hesitation by, by some brands. You know, there's always this, you know, this, uh, you know, whether it's warranted or not of like, what am I, what, what data am I going to give Amazon? And if I, if I give them this data, like, what are they going to do with it and how are they going to compete with me? And obviously, you know, we have seen where Amazon has, has competed with, with brands, you know, whether it be Amazon basics or different, you know, there's, we definitely have seen where Amazon has taken data to, to, you know, compete with, with, with sellers. And so I, I think there's, you know, some valid points there, but at the same time, you know, I think Amazon's really positioning this as to what you're kind of speaking to is one, trying to, to address the, the market share shifts that they were seeing with Shopify, but then also to, to position themselves with, with the carriers. Um, you know, what's again, going back to some hacks here, the, I actually had heard some sellers who said that they were signing up with the buy with prime service on their D2C, like their Shopify page, 
just so that then you know they would actually get access to the additional warehouse space or FBA space. Because so when you put that inventory in, um, you know, you're getting space now for your Shopify page as well as your Amazon business, but the inventory is merged, so you can actually have it um, shipped either to either either channel. So they were actually using this not so much to get the you know, to actually use the services on their um, Shopify page, but to actually yeah. get it to ex- expand yeah. their their FBA business. Uh, so not quite the intention that Amazon had, um, but you know I think that um, Amazon has obviously built up a lot of trust with customers, and I see I, I think that there's there's a real opportunity here for some brands to leverage that trust as well as the infrastructure that Amazon's built up. And I would definitely agree that I think this is positioning them for to take up um, not just the market share from Shopify, but also from uh, from carriers like FedEx and UPS. And I don't know, I, I, uh, I've heard rumors, maybe it's more like, you know, whispers like, was this the positioning? Is Amazon positioning supposed to actually acquire somebody like, like FedEx? Like, I don't know, I'd like, Jack, you like to hear your, your take on that. Is this, <laughs> this a potential like position for Amazon to make a bigger move? Like, uh, uh, it's like, been, it's been interesting. I, I, we, I had never considered that until, um, some major problems that FedEx went through this last year that if anybody that they would be positioned to, uh, to buy, it would be FedEx. Um, and this is really a, a monopoly of FedEx and UPS. It's, it's a duopoly. They're acting like a monopoly in this, in this situation. So there's not a lot of, you know, options out there. I don't think FedEx would ever really allow that to happen, to be honest. Um, I think, uh, however, it, it really was interesting given the fact that FedEx went through some major turmoil this last year, both on the labor issue side, as well as just the influx of volume. They just did not do a very good job handling a lot of volume going through their system due to the COVID rush. I'm a, I'm a big, bigger believer or, or um, advocate that, that Amazon themselves is building a network that is it's being built really to rival FedEx and UPS. Mm-hmm. While taking advantage of, they're not just in it for the final mile. They want to take over warehousing. They want to take over fulfillment. They want to take over pick pack. They want to do storage fees. They want to do a lot more than what FedEx is willing to do at this point, or UPS is willing to do at this point. But uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. I think when you start to see a slowdown, and I think we are poised to see a little bit of that, and a more normalization from COVID. A lot of people think, oh, this is an economic major disaster we're going through or or we're we're on the precipice of i think what this is is more of a normalization of you know covid was an anomaly and it was a black swan event that put shipping really on the map of testing that how flexible your supply chain is and how flexible and transportation is in general and guess what it's not very flexible it's one of those things that i think as things start to normalize Amazon's going to have more capacity in their network. FedEx and UPS is going to have more capacity in the network. And the question really is, if, if Amazon has a lot of capacity, a lot of room in their network because things have slowed down a little bit, how aggressive are they going to be at filling that capacity? Are they going to be willing to go after FedEx or UPS just to put those shipments on their, on their planes, in their trucks, in their warehousing, just to try to keep that capacity at full it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. When even going back before Buyer the Prime was was announced and launched, they've been doing testing and modeling of, of this of this specific service for a while now. Even you know going back pre COVID, 
uh, we had we were in conversations with with Amazon about you know beta program that they were calling you know onsite prime onsite. So as a self fulfilled prime, where we actually would have like a dedicated portion of our of our three PL warehouse that uh, they would come in and and help us actually set it up like it would be an FBA fulfillment center from the 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 hardware um, and the processes. Uh, you know, we we didn't move forward with it, and the the ultimately the you know the program was shut down. But we also talked with them about you know their own shipping services at the time, uh, where again using you know instead of the FedEx truck coming up to our dock, it'd be the Amazon truck pulling up to our dock and and from end to end. So they've definitely been testing this for a while. I think uh, Buy with Prime is kind of the next evolution of that. But uh, I think you know all these all signals kind of point towards you know Amazon wants to control that. The entire experience because you know for us when we get dinged on for our self-fulfill prime metrics it's generally not because our warehouse has made a mistake it's generally has to do with that with that carrier um and there's been years where you know customers amazon customers have not received packages in time for major events for for holidays and so it's a really bad customer experience and that's the last thing amazon wants amazon doesn't want to give any control to to an outside you know, service that's going to impact their ability to grow and scale. So I, I, again, I think all these things kind of give signals to Amazon's definitely looking to solve that, that solution. Um, and I think they're going to be relying on UPS or FedEx to solve that for them. So I, I expect to kind of see additional development around this and, and Amazon make some big moves related to the, 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 the full service carrier. I think if one thing is is sure, there's going to be a lot of change. One thing that has been really massive within transportation is that it's an it's a, a industry of complete change. And every you know five to six years, we see some major change or major uh, either technology or major player enter the space. I am, you know, watching very closely with Amazon to see if that's going to be a major disruptor to that change. And I, I, I personally think it will. I, I'm excited to be able to see how that is. I think it ultimately is a great thing for shippers around the country. I think, you know, anything to break up um, the duopoly uh, to kind of help shippers provide another option of diversification, I think is extremely needed. Matt, this has been a really interesting and fun conversation. See, man, we made it fun. This is- We did. I knew we could. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know what what you shared is some some of the most amazing hacks i've heard for amazon sellers to take on and some really golden nuggets this has been a hack attack from you man it's been really fun <laughs> well I'll, tell, I'll leave you with one more just because i it's one of my favorite tools of on your platform so again for those who haven't checked out sifted um you guys have this phenomenal tool like data system that it gives you the insights from a seller to see exactly where is where are my customers like where are all my packages going to where am I shipping to but also like where is it shipping from? We're going back, you know, we're talking about the the you know, three PL services earlier on. And one of the the things that often some sellers can get wrong is is they get their product in the wrong locations or their three PLs are not close enough to where their hotspots are. And what I love about your tool is like you can get all of Amazon's data from warehouse locations to the to the in final shipments. And you can get that as a seller to then help you build out the right operations and logistics for your for yourself. So if you guys are looking to you know, build out your own 3PL system or your own you know, FBM, Xifta has a great tool to guys help you navigate and reverse engineer what Amazon has already figured out.
It is a reverse engineering process. That's exactly right. That was that was the uh, the, the goal when it was originally developed was to okay, how can I reverse engineer using this you know my own information from Amazon to make better you know decisions so that I can jump uh, and and be more flexible. So I'm not just just tied to that. I, I think that. That's and you really can take good. it and, and use it for geo-targeting on your social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, run some, yeah. Run some really targeted ad campaigns. I, I love yep. it. I think it's spot on. Well, the floor is yours, Matt. What, you know, where can people reach out to you? Tell them what you've got going on right now that uh, is, is important for you. Where, where can they connect for you with you? And, and what's, what's the best, uh, best way to reach out to you if they need to? Yeah, obviously very active on LinkedIn. So I'm sure we can, we can put my, my LinkedIn address here in the show notes. So definitely contact me there. What I love about this Amazon community is, is as big as it is, it feels really small because Amazon sellers like to help each other. So I am always willing to, to you know, jump on a call or, or help another seller out. Uh, what I've found is as much as I can help somebody else, they're going to help me out even more down the road. So uh, very active in the community. Uh, so definitely find me on LinkedIn. Let's connect and would love to set a time to have a conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt, for being on. Thanks for the invitation, Caleb. Really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for watching this episode of Leadershipping, powered by Sifted Logistics Intelligence Team. This was a great conversation. In the upcoming episodes, we're going to be covering a number of topics, such as contract negotiation, making sure you've got optimal pricing, as well as making sure that you are prepared for peak season. Yes, it's just around the corner. It is crazy. We've only got a limited number of days until Q4 starts. And shippers around the United States need to get prepped and ready to make sure that this peak season is their best one yet. Make sure you can uh, subscribe to this podcast. You can look for us on any major media outlets uh, that host podcasts such as Apple, Spotify, even on YouTube where we upload these recordings. And uh, you can make sure you subscribe to not miss out on future episodes. Thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you on the next one.